How to give thanks to God. Psalm 116, we're going to read from verse 12 down through verse 14. But before we do, would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for this church, its faithful pastors. Lord, we thank you for all the servants, Lord, we've met this week. Lord, we just thank you for the wonderful work you're doing here at the Calvary Chapel in Miami. We pray you'll continue it in the years to come. And Lord, this morning as we gather to worship you, Lord, to hear what you might say to us, I pray that you would speak to us, Lord, that you would encourage us. Lord, we have so much for which to be grateful. We have a great God, a good God, who loves us so much. Lord, we want to live our lives in a spirit of thanksgiving. And so, Lord, I pray that you would shine your light on your word this morning and give us encouragement. We pray it and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Psalm 116, beginning in verse 12, the psalmist writes these words. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? And then he answers his question. I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Famous pastor and Bible teacher Matthew Henry was once robbed on a way to a meeting. The next day, he wrote of his experience in his diary. He wrote, let me be thankful. First, because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my wallet, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed not I who robbed. Now how's that for looking on the bright side? No matter how grim and gloomy your circumstances are today, if you look hard enough, we all have something for which we can be thankful. It's been said, if we pause to think, we'll have cause to thank. If you're having trouble today finding a reason for which to be grateful, here are a few suggestions for you. If you can't pay your bills, well, then be thankful you're not one of your creditors. You can be thankful only you and God have all the facts about yourself. Isn't that true? Even though you haven't gotten all you want, you can be thankful you haven't gotten what you deserve. If you can't be thankful for what you've received, at least be thankful for what you've escaped. And lastly... Be thankful for many blinds. If it weren't for them, it'd be curtains for all of us. That's better. That, that, that was a dad joke. There'll be more of those to come. Once a teacher asked her fourth grade students to name one thing for which they were thankful most of the kids listed their pets and their parents and their possessions. But one little boy responded, he said, I'm thankful for my glasses because they keep me out of a lot of trouble. Well, the teacher was curious. She asked the little guy, how do your glasses keep you out of trouble? The little boy told her, they keep the boys from beating me up and the girls from kissing me. 
We all should have an attitude of gratitude. And this is especially so for us Americans. If you've ever traveled abroad, you realize that what most Americans scrape off their plate after the meal and send down the garbage disposal would be considered by three-fifths of the world a feast fit for a king. We have so much to be thankful for. When President Calvin Coolidge issued his Thanksgiving Day proclamation, he said this, We have been a most favored people. We ought to be a most thankful people. We live in a country that has been blessed by God. Americans have much for which to be thankful. And if that's true for Americans, it is especially true for those of us who are Christians. For of all the people in the world, none should be more thankful than those who follow Jesus, folks who have tasted of God's wonderful grace. In fact, the term gratitude is from the root word grace. Gratitude is our response to God's amazing grace. As God has been gracious to us, we should be grateful to him. Think of all that God has done for us. He spared not his only son. He's given us life new and never-ending, full and free, holy and happy. And to that, a complete pardon. Add a new birth. Add abounding love, a steadying peace, the presence of his Holy Spirit, a supernatural strength, special gifts and callings, brothers and sisters in Christ, even a home in heaven. With all that God has done for us, the very least we can do is to be thankful. Bible commentator William Hislop once wrote, To save such a sinner as I, God shall never hear the end of it. Boy, that should be our sentiments as well. You know, my mom believed in writing thank you notes. When we got a gift, she expected us to sit down and to write a thank you. And I hated it. I'd rather be outside playing football or riding my bike. Most of the time, I'd already said thanks anyway. I figured that should be enough. But not for my mom. She believed you weren't really thankful unless you took the time and made the effort to express your gratitude in a tangible way. You know, if I were to ask you this morning, are you thankful for all that God has done for you? I'm sure 99% of you would reply, of course I'm thankful. Who isn't thankful? God is good. But are we thankful enough to express our thanks? I heard the courageous but tragic story of Edward Spencer. Ned was a Bible college student strolling along the shores of Lake Michigan one day when he saw a boat full of passengers sinking in the cold, choppy waters. With no consideration for his own safety, Ned bravely dove into the icy water. He swam out into the lake and back to the shore a total of 16 times that day, rescuing 17 people. After everyone was safe, Ned collapsed from exhaustion on the bank. In fact, he never fully recovered from his heroic ordeal. Complications set in that stunted his health and kept Ned from pursuing full-time ministry. But to make matters worse, not one of the 17 people Ned Spencer plucked from Lake Michigan that day 
ever reached out to him to find him and to say thanks. I'm sure if you had tracked down each of those persons, I'm sure they would all say that they were grateful. But no one bothered to express their gratitude to Ned. Hey, Jesus has made a far greater sacrifice for you and me. Far greater than Ned Spencer made rescuing those people from the lake. Jesus has rescued us from the lake of fire. But have we taken the time and made the effort to say thanks? In Luke 17, Jesus entered a certain village. And he met ten lepers crying out for mercy. You remember he healed all ten lepers. And as soon as he did, they raced off to the priest to be pronounced clean and to begin their new lives. Only one man bothered to return and thank Jesus for the miracle. And that's when Jesus asked, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Today, millions the world over have been recipients of the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus. But we can still hear him ask, didn't I heal Juan and Jose? Didn't I save Andy and Ashley? What about Mike and Maria? But where are they? And here's my question for us. Are we among the nine? Nowhere to be found? Or are you and I among the few who've taken the time to truly say thanks? On the bus one day, a man gave up his seat to a woman. His act of courtesy so shocked the lady she fainted. She wasn't used to gracious men. But when the lady revived, she thanked the man for his kindness. Her gratitude so shocked him, he fainted. <laughs> Neither the man nor the woman were used to gracious and grateful people and were shocked by their expressions. And I wonder if God would be shocked if today you and I stop complaining about our spouse and our job and our kids and our neighbors and simply took some time and made an effort to say thanks to God for all the many blessings he has lavished upon us, would God be shocked? In Psalm 116, the psalmist tells us how to say thanks to God. Verse 12, he asks the question, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? In other words, what does God prefer in the way of a thank you? Does God want a thank you note or a card or some candy and flowers? I mean, how do you show the almighty God that you're thankful for all of his benefits? If I'm going to put some time and effort into expressing my thanks then surely I want to express my gratitude in a way that will please the Lord. Well, this morning's text supplies us three ways to say thanks to God. First, take up the cup of salvation. Second, call upon the name of the Lord. And third, pay your vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Let's take a closer look at Psalm 116 and learn how to say thanks to God. To me, verse 13 offers a truly strange means of expressing thanks. 
the psalmist answers, I will take up the cup of salvation. But recall the question. What shall I render or give to God for all his benefits? Here he tells us to give by instructing us to take. I give to God by taking? It really does sound strange until we think it through. For what can I really give to God that he doesn't already possess? God is the one person on earth who really does need nada. There are folks on my Christmas list who are difficult to buy for because they already have everything I can afford to give them. And this is true with God. In Acts 17, verses 24 and 25, Paul, he said to the Athenians, God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. The one true God is in need of nothing. He possesses all things. Psalm Psalm 50 says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That means our scrawny sacrifices don't impress him. I was at a Christmas party once when someone suggested that we go around the room and we share what we intended to give to God that year for Christmas. Most of us talked about giving God more of our time or money or energy. Then came my friend's turn. He shocked the group by announcing that he had nothing to give to God. When someone asked him why, he said, because God already owns everything I've got. Realize true gratitude begins with a frustration. God has given us so much, yet there's nothing that I can give back to him. All we can do, check this out. All we can do is take what he's given us and allow it to accomplish its intended purpose in our lives. See, we thank God for his blessings when we enjoy them to the fullest. If you want to say thanks to God, take up the goblet of grace, lift up that mug of mercy, put it to your lips, and take a deep, long drink. The cup of salvation brims with blessing. It's heavy with heaven. David was speaking of this cup in the shepherd's psalm, Psalm 23. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Savor every single drop of God's blessing. If you want to say thanks to God, you do so by taking advantage of his many and marvelous gifts. Think of it, God journeyed from the heights of heaven to the depths of earth, from the crib to the cross, from a cold, dark tomb to the throne in heaven, just to bring us blessings untold. The least we can do now is to open up our hearts and receive his goodness toward us. Try to compensate God for his gifts, and you only devalue them. If we could earn God's blessing, it would cheapen the price God paid to acquire them. As the poet put it, The best return for one like me, so wretched to the core, is from God's gifts to draw a plea and ask him still for more. If you want to thank God for his grace, then ask him for more. Turn up the cup of salvation and keep on drinking. My grandma was a southern gourmet. Boy, could Grandma Adams cook. 
She can whip up a scrumptious meal in the blink of an eye. Black-eyed peas, cornbread, hot buttered grits, collard greens, fried okra, biscuits and gravy, fried chicken. Your mouth watering yet? (laughs) All the extras, man. If you're not a native southerner, that might not impress you. But trust me, if you could have sampled some of my grandma's cooking, you'd be an admirer. She was amazing. Whenever a visitor came to her house, no matter the time of day, she'd start dinner. And she'd invite you to her table. And before you knew it, she had served up a banquet fit for a king. And she would take nothing for it. If you tried to pay her, you'd just insult her. The only way you could say thanks to my grandma was to clean your plate. My grandma's reward for cooking was the joy of seeing somebody scarf up her vittles and come roaring back for more. The greatest insult you could give her would be to nibble a bit and then push your plate aside as if you didn't like it. And that's the way it is with God's blessing. Man, when we clean our plate and ask for more, we're saying thanks to God. But when we don't have time to eat from his table, or when we fill up on worldly stuff, we break God's heart. We insult God when we consume junk food and when we feed on the garbage of this world. When we don't bring our appetites to his table. Here's a great quote. This is the height of all madness. This is the lowest depth of all sin. God spares not his own son and we stand with our hands folded on our chest. No, you say thanks to God by reaching out, by grabbing every single blessing he bestows. Don't you waste God's grace. Turn up the cup of salvation and savor every drop. Well, here's the second way to say thanks to God. Notice again verse 13. We're told to call upon the name of the Lord. When trouble strikes... When a need arises, we say thanks to God by calling on him for help. And again, this sounds like a selfish way to express our thanks. You'd think we'd do for God rather than ask God to do for us. But again, what can we really do for God that he can't do a better job of himself? You know, whenever a dad involves a toddler in his project, he's not doing it because he needs the kid's help. If anything, the kid is just going to slow him down or get in his way. But dad gets the toddler to help him because he enjoys the child's company. And he wants to teach the child a lesson or two in the midst of the task. And this is why God involves us in his work. God doesn't need us. When we serve God, we're not doing God a favor. He's doing us a favor. See, we say thanks to God, not by helping him, but by asking for his help. You know, when my kids were younger and they got into trouble, they didn't search the yellow pages for the nearest PhD. They didn't canvas the university for an expert in the field. They didn't even dial 911. When they had a problem, they called DAD. They ran to dad. And they expected their father to take over the situation and salvage a solution. And I wouldn't have had it any other way. 
Nothing flatters a father more than when a child instinctively runs to him for help. And the same is true with God. If you really want to say thanks to God, make him your first retreat in times of trouble, not your last resort. Let me give you another illustration. What if you find an automobile mechanic who does good work? The man's fair and honest and efficient. How do you say thanks to that mechanic? Send him a thank you note? Or a pick me up bouquet? No way. Try that on a macho mechanic and he might just punch you in the nose. What that mechanic wants most is your return business. So the next time your car breaks down, if you look up another mechanic, he'll assume you weren't satisfied with his service. But if he's the first person you call when your car breaks down, that mechanic knows you appreciate his work. When you're sick, what's your first reaction? Do you take an aspirin? Do you call a doctor? Or do you pray? Do you run to God for his intervention? He's the great physician. When you're lonely, what's your first response? Call a friend? Take in a movie? Visit a bar? Or do you open your Bible and renew your fellowship with God? When business dips, what's your first remedy? Increase marketing? Downsize the labor force? Hire a consultant? Or do you trust God for his blessing? And when you're tired and weary, where do you seek rest? Do you turn the TV on and veg out? Plan a vacation? Or do you ask for God's peace? You see, the psalmist tells us you say thanks to God by calling on the name of the Lord. For many years when my kids were working their way through school, I would proofread their English composition papers. First it was Natalie, then it was Nick, then it was Mac. The kids figured out that having an author in the family was awful nice when it came to turning in their papers. They could have dad look it over before they turned in their research paper. They would email me the paper at about 10 o'clock the night before the assignment was due the next day. And I'd usually mumble something like, what do these kids expect me to do? Drop all that I'm doing and help them at a moment's notice. But that's not how I really felt. I was glad they wanted my help. In fact, I would have been insulted if they had ever stopped. The only time reviewing their paper bothered me was when we got it back from the teacher and we got a grade of C. <laughs> How dare that teacher give me a C on their paper. <laughs> but boy, when my kids ran to me for help, I felt loved and trusted and appreciated. I'm glad they wanted my input. And this is how God feels when we call on him. Did you hear about the couple who got married at a travel agency? As it turns out, she was looking for a getaway, and he was her last resort. Is the Lord your last resort, or is he your first retreat? You say thanks to God by calling on the name of the Lord. And then the third way the psalmist tells us that we can say thanks to God is to pay your vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. 
The writer of Psalm 116 was so thankful to God, he would take his little lamb, the pick of the litter, and he would parade it through the streets of Jerusalem without regard to the opinions of other people, simply overwhelmed with love and enthusiasm for God. The psalmist would go up to the temple and offer his sacrifice openly and publicly before the community. And if we're thankful to God, we also will go public with our praise. Hey, Jesus told us that when we pray, we should go into our closet and we should close the door behind us. Prayer is a private act. But when we praise God, we need to roll down the windows, friend. Whisper your prayers, but shout out your praise so all can hear. Psalm 107 verse 2 says it clearly. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We live in a day when every blasphemous, godless, evil imaginable gets drug out into the light of day and paraded across the TV screens. People flaunt their sacrilege. They spew their irreverence. There's no shame anymore. It's about time we who are grateful to God grew just as bold and just as vocal. Let's stop acting as if we're ashamed of God. Let's go out into the marketplace and let the world know that our success is due to God's blessing. Praise and thanksgiving need to go public. You know, I've never known much about cars. When other boys had their heads under the hood tinkering on an engine, I was somewhere dribbling a basketball or throwing a football or something. I know where to put the key. And I know how to push the gas pedal. But that's about the extent of my mechanical prowess. When it comes to automobiles, I'm ignorant. But understand a vital point. Even though I might be ignorant, that doesn't mean I like to admit it. Engines in Greece are macho stuff. A man should know his way around the engine block. No self-respected man wants to be known as mechanically illiterate. I'll never forget the day I was exposed and totally humiliated. Right after Kathy and I had gotten married, we made a trip to North Lake Mall. We were about to leave when the car wouldn't start. So I popped the hood. Now don't misunderstand, I wasn't going to fix anything. I just heard that's what you do when your car won't start, you pop the hood. But then a horrible thing happened. Two guys started walking over to where I was. I couldn't let them know how inept I was. So I grabbed a screwdriver and I started slapping on things and banging on things and fiddling around like I knew what I was doing. I didn't think it could get any worse. But it did. For all of a sudden, right there in broad daylight, in front of everybody, the whole world, my wife gets out of the car, my newlywed wife. She walks around in front of these two grown men And she takes the screwdriver from me and decides to play Mrs. Goodwrench. Right there in front of everybody, she fixes the car all by herself. I was humiliated. My wife knew more about cars than I did. And two other men now had the evidence. See, I should have been thankful. In fact, later that night, Privately, I thanked Kathy. 
But publicly at that moment, I was so embarrassed. And you see, this is the problem that some people have in their relationship with God. Oh, privately, at church on Sunday among other Christians, oh yes, they'll give thanks to God. But publicly, they would rather think, they would rather everyone else think that they were able to do it by themselves. See, humans don't like broadcasting to others their ineptitude and their dependence. Why is that? Why is it so hard for us to admit our weakness? None of us are truly independent and self-sufficient people. There's no such thing as a self-made man or a self-made woman. You were in debt the moment you entered this world. On the day you were born, you already owed another person nine months room and board. Psalm 100 verse 3 tells us that we all owe God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We depend on God for the air we breathe and for our next breath. Why is it so hard for us to express our dependence on God and go public with our praise? I'll tell you the problem. It's pride. For pride slays thanksgiving a proud person hates to say thanks if he does it shatters the illusion that he's in control gratitude is the admission that I have a need that I can't meet we've all got those needs who's fooling who it's so freeing just to drop the facade and be grateful the tribes of East Africa, they have an unusual way to say thank you. The Maasai tribe of Kenya, they bow their heads to the ground and they say, my dirt is on my head. It's a way of humbling themselves. Members from another tribe sit on the ground for a long time before the hut of the person to whom they're thankful. They say, I sit on the ground before you. You see, these Africans understand a truth that makes gratitude so difficult for us. They realize that true thanksgiving is first and foremost an act of humility. The psalmist contends we're not really grateful to God unless we're willing to lay aside our pride and go public with our praise. True thanksgiving won't be intimidated by the sneers or slights or scowls of other people. It will still rise up even when looked down on. Robert Walpole was Britain's first prime minister. But his administration failed because he was betrayed by former friends who voted him out of office. Walpole said in the House of Commons that day while its members cast the vote to bring down his government. And one by one, as his opponents stepped up to cast their votes, as each man passed, Walpole made comments to the reporters around him. He said, you see that fellow right there? I saved his son from the gallows. You see that man over there? I promised to promote his son to an office in my government. On and on went similar stories. Each parliament member who voted against Walpole that day had a reason to be thankful to him. But rather than express their gratitude, they buckled under to the political pressures that were being applied. Those parliament members lacked the courage to say thanks. 
And when it comes to our relationship with God, don't ever let it be said that you buckled under to the political pressures. That you cowered away from giving God the credit he deserved because you didn't have the guts to be grateful. Don't just praise God in the safety of your church or in the quiet of your home. Be courageous and go public with your thanksgiving and praise. That's how you say thanks to God. Let me close with a story of a man who found the barn where Satan kept his seeds. There were seeds of discouragement and doubt and fear and lust and greed and guilt. And it frightened this man to hear Satan boasting of how his seeds would take root and grow in almost any type of soil. The man questioned him. He said, are you sure they'll grow in any soil? Satan had to backtrack. He reluctantly admitted Well, there is one place I can never get them to grow, and that's in the heart of a grateful person. Oh, how we need to be thankful people. And how do we say thanks to God for all his many benefits toward us? The psalmist speaks of three ways. Take up the cup of salvation Enjoy every single blessing that the blood of Jesus has purchased for you. Call upon the name of the Lord. In times of trouble, run to your heavenly Father for help. And pay your vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Go public with your praise. And do it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you folks.